Hey everyone, welcome to the Caged Vision podcast with Kerry Rome and special guest Andy Crestodina. And Andy, we are gonna we're gonna crush this. Do you know why? I know you know why. Mm. I got a good feeling about it. <laughs> yeah, we got a good feeling because we actually have been talking for about twenty minutes and we forgot to record. So, man, we've we've rehearsed this thing already. We got it. We got it crushed. I, I'm I'm so ready. I'm so pumped. I, <laughs> I have I have it all organized in my head to do to uh, to make it an even better higher value conversation than we have. Uh, I love it. Well, we were so uh, entrenched in the conversation that we kind of got lost in, it and we're like, "Oh my gosh, we're not recording." But this time, Andy. So, all right, we started the last time. I said, if you were going to take a road trip, what would be on your playlist? And I've got the answer already, but I want the listeners to hear it because it's a pretty good playlist. In fact, maybe you should create a playlist and we should drop it in a link. How cool would that be? <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. I listed out John Denver because Country Roads Take Me Home is part of every road trip pay- playlist. Uh, I put on there Patsy Cline, good sing-along. I, put, I mentioned Wilco, which I've been a, a fan of for a long time. And then I think I went a different direction and, and dropped like uh, the Lumineers and... Um, I don't know the Lumineers. You would. You you do. You've heard, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, probably. Um, it, it's it's one of those that uh, is in the background a lot that you've yeah. that you'd probably uh, recognize. Lumineers. I'm going to write it down right now. Mm-hmm. They're good. That's good. All right. All right. Who else? Uh, Mumford and Sons I, I, I listed because I think that's a total road trip thing. And then uh, you were saying now you've got three girls? Three girls. Wow. 15, 13, and 11. And, and it, yeah. it's it's a lot. And the the car dynamic has that has that. Work yeah, the out? car dynamic is, um, yeah, you know, they're all on their own devices and just sort of headphones. And mm. you know, do you, do you remember? Um, have you ever been in the airport and you see uh, like a, a, a basketball team, college or NBA, when they walk through and they all they have their headphones on? <laughs> My kids are like that now. They've got these headphones and it's sort of you know, when they're road tripping, they're just cool and in the back of the car. And, uh, okay. Yeah. 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 It allows my wife and I to have a bit of conversation. I get it. Sure. Yeah. It yeah so I don't, I don't have the playlist though, because, uh, I think I'd probably get through one song and mm. get voted off, get voted off the Island. That's what headphones are for. Carrie. That's what <laughs> your headphones are for. I love it. Okay. So uh, take me to the Wayback Machine. You live and breathe content. When when did that vision that content's going to be your thing, when did that come about? Yeah. So it looks like this. We started building websites for clients in 2000 and 2001. Um, People don't need web. So people need a new website every three years, sometimes four years or longer. How do you keep in touch with people in between that, in between buying intervals? How do you keep in touch with people during a long sales cycle? Content is autopilot for sales. Content is a way to keep in touch with people in a soft way uh, over a long period of time. And anybody who's done it for a while will tell you that they've gotten emails and feedback from people who say, I've been on your list for years. I've been on your list for years. I need your help or I've got a question or I'd like to talk. So that's what it was. It was a way, it started in 2007 and it was 
it solved the problem of, Andy, how do I keep in touch with all these people over this long period of time? And quite simply, it was an email invitation to read a practical how-to blog post on the website. Mm. That was it. Mm. So um, I've got a lot of questions here. The first is um, the list. If you didn't have a list, how do you create a list? I know that somebody listening is saying, okay, well, surely you already had a list. Mm -hmm. how, how did you come up with a list? How do you, who do you send that, those, that email to, inviting them to be on your list? Well, the beginning of an email marketing program, like a lot of things in digital, is, the, is in some way the most successful. Um, that first list was basically like 300 clients and partners and friends. I think it was 300 addresses. And my open rates and click-through rates were huge. Like when you start with that seed list of like friends and family and partners and, you know, vendors and people that already know you well, uh, you're going to see results so strong that uh, don't feel bad later <laughs> when your email, when your, when your open rates go down. Yeah. So it's very common. So, so that first list is almost like exporting like from your email service, like your email inbox provider okay. or the, 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 the very seed, the core of your CRM. Um, usually that's where it comes from. It, it's not ethical to buy or rent a list. There's no point in ever, don't send email to anyone that doesn't want it. Right, ever. sure. So, but, uh, but you know, a small high quality list is better than a big pile of strangers. So um, uh, that those first emails were uh, very successful. And do you find that, I mean, I'm sure you've heard it for years. I certainly have. The emails dead are going away. Um, mm -hmm. What, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's BS. I think it's total <laughs> BS. It, it's, in fact, email is uh, more important than ever. Here's why. There's three classic channels for, for, for traffic in digital, uh, in content marketing anyway. Search, social, and, and email. Search is harder than ever because Google puts so many different things in a Google search results page. There's like, maps and questions and answers and featured snippets and knowledge boxes and all these fancy words for all this yeah. stuff that is designed to keep people in Google and keep people from clicking on a website. So the click-through mm. rate from Google to websites has, is going down. Mm. It's now below, okay. 50, it's below 50%. Okay. Social, same thing. Social networks have throttled back organic reach because they're in the business of selling ads. Google and Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and pick your whoever they do not want to send you free traffic. They, they want to monetize their visitor. Mm -hmm. So they are in between you and your audience. Email is disintermediation. There's no one between you and your audience. You own your email list. Email is the only channel that gives you direct access to that audience with no company, no giant digital monopoly in between. So that's why I, I don't use them, but pop-up windows are so popular. That's why email calls to action are so important. That's why... These websites, like we mentioned, we, we're both John Jansen and, the, and yeah. that whole you know, family of pro-digital experts are aggressively growing their email list because they know that that's security. You own your content, your website, your email list. You do not own your likes, your rankings, your, your social followings. Mm. Okay, so how do you advise someone on what content they should write or oh, start course. writing? Yeah, yeah. Well, the best source of topics is your audience. So what questions do you get most often? Um, the, the questions that you get during sales are, are the best because they're 
questions people have at the bottom of the funnel. There's content you can create that will improve sales. So if you went up to your, to a, let's say you have a sales team, ask your sales team, what question are you just tired of answering? Mm -hmm. Have you written the article that answers that question yet? If not, that article is going to be one of the best to write because then the sales team can send that question to the next prospect mm. after the call, mm. right? And then uh, the prospect can forward it along to other decision makers in their company. Mm. B2B especially, there's so many decision makers these days. So uh, topics that are close to the bottom of the funnel, sales decision making questions are key. Topics from your audience are key. But toward the top of the funnel, there's a gazillion sources of traf of uh, topics, blog topics. Um, you can use answerthepublic.com to find what the common questions are for any topic. Hmm. You can use keywordtool.io. Keywordtool.io will scrape out of Google Suggest all the things that you would have seen if you typed the next letter of the alphabet 26 times. <laughs> there are just amazing sources of topics where you could pick any, pick a random word and 10 seconds, I can tell you what people want to know about that. Yeah. Um, and then a, an organized content strategist will kind of have like a outline or the structure. These are going to fit together in some way so that you'll have good internal linking between these and good interconnected uh, families of, of, of content and topics. Hmm. Okay. So n now that someone goes through that process where they say, okay, um, I think I got, all right, we know the questions and they start to build their funnel. Um, what's the one thing that separates those that talk to you about wanting or, or follow your advice and then actually go and do it? Well, you know, the, the one difference is doing it. The difference though, I think that triggers people to really take the action are the people who can see, who work a little harder on picturing the outcome. So imagine me in 2007. Yeah damn it, I don't really want to start a blog. It's like such a heavy thing. I feel this pressure. If I start it, what if it dies? Some blogs don't continue. Like, what if I fail? I'm taking on a ton of homework. But I started to really try to imagine getting that outcome, the email from the person saying, hey, I've been on your list. I'm glad I need your help. Um, I thought of you. Imagine success. Think about it. Really visualize getting that email or picture that outcome. I think that makes a difference. I really think it makes a difference. The people mm -hmm. who can kind of visualize, some people will, okay, so at the outset, inspiration, what happens next? Are you picturing success or are you picturing failure and obstacles? Both can be useful, but the people who visualize success, I think, have a little bit stronger of a nudge to take that very first step which is psychologically key to the game. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So visualize it, visualize it, not only in a, uh, you know, at someone in, in really it's what we all want is someone saying, by the way, Andy, I've been reading your stuff and following each, every other week I've been reading what you've, and I've just, I know, I know you don't do what you've told me I need to be doing, but I, I do need a website refresh. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I'm coming to you. Why, if, if you're, if you're really, really good and smart on content, why have you not gotten into advising people on content? This is a question I get a lot. So our strategy is to build cars and teach driver's ed. 
Yeah. So we build websites and we teach people how to get great results from their websites through content marketing. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of answers to that. The, we are finally now offering optimization as a service. Mm-hmm. And we're starting with the people for whom we built their website. And it's been very successful so far. Mm. But it's a different game. It's a st- so we are project-based, but, people who do, but a content marketing agency is account-based. Um, there's a diff- different approach to sales. There's a different team. There's a different expectation setting. There's different contractual language. And Orbit is very successful as it is. We are a $5.5 million company, team of 40, uh, hitting growth goals. So we were never forced to pivot. We never, it, it was just at what point do we want to capture that opportunity? Yeah. You ask a great question. I think there was, um, we haven't been disrupted in our industry. There, there, in some ways, people I know that have been the most adaptive and in some ways successful were the ones who just had a pain threshold and got stuck. They were cornered. They finally had to take an action. They try something different. They built a product or they launched mm-hmm. a new service. They niched into a category. Um, people also ask, Andy, why don't you make a, a course? You could sell a ton of videos, make an online course, please. I want to buy it. Um, the fact is, I mean, this is, uh, uh, people here are happy um, and uh, clients are happy. Everyone's successful. So if necessity is a mother of invention, we just don't have a mother for that one yet. I need a good yeah. mom. Yeah. <laughs> get the idea. You mentioned something earlier. You said a great what makes a great website? What does make a great website these days? Because you don't imagine things are changing. And it's sort of like everyone, if I'm thinking through the short history of websites, it's, you know, it was a, it's like an electronic, uh, you know, mm-hmm. handout or whatever. And then it got interactive and it seems to be, and you're going to, you're going to disprove what I'm about to say, but you're, it seems to me that, um, it's sort of lost a little bit of its luster. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. But uh, is that bad? I did websites back when there was a skip intro button and there were like flash animations Yeah, and crazy rollovers and like scrolling text and weird eye candy for its own sake. Yeah. The, the evolution of web design has been a process toward simplicity. Mm. Because what matters to the visitor in the end is not how fancy the design is. It's does that page answer my questions? Did Mm -hmm. it get me the information I need? So in one word, what must a website do? Answer. It answers. It must be clear. It it doesn't have to impress. Nobody says, oh, I'm going to go to this website to see how fancy it is. Right. So the luster is, I agree. I think that's an accurate way to put it. The, The... the, the sparkle has kind of gone out of a lot of websites, but the performance of those sites is often better than the previous version, which had yeah. fancy visual effects. So the goal of a website is to answer someone's question and let them know how to get in touch with you? What I'd would say you say? Three things. It has to give them what they came for, okay. which is answers. Then it has to give them what we want them to have, which is evidence. So, you know, you build websites. I came to learn if you use this, you know, if you can build a website that has a a community features and using WordPress, oh, there's the answer. But while you're there, I want you to see this quote from this testimonial, this person who says, wow, 
this was way easier than I thought. You built a community that was super easy to manage and it worked right with my WordPress site. Mm. So answer and evidence, and then finally calls to action. Effective websites have three things. Effective web pages have three things, answers, evidence, and calls to action. Mm. So I go to the store to get milk. I come back with milk and barbecue chips. The milk was the answer to my question. That's why I went. The barbecue mm -hmm. chips were the evidence, the reason to believe, the social proof that you wanted me to have while I was there. Mm. I had to walk past that, you know, to get back there to the mm. milk. Yeah. And the call to action is just a clear, specific, relevant CTA at the bottom of every page. I guess that'd be the checkout aisle in my weird grocery metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I've, I've got um, my new and improved websites clear. It's got um, evidence mm -hmm. and there's a call to action. That yep. call to action, um, what do you want them to do? I mean, do, do, is it, you know, call now, pick up the phone? What do you want them to do? Or do you want them to sign up for your newsletter? Mm -hmm. So if it's a blog post, they're not going to, they don't need your service that day. That's not why right. they came to your site. So the best CTA opportunity is just to sign up for the newsletter. Yeah. If it's a sales page, then the best call to action is to reach out, let us help you, ask us a question, start a conversation. So there's basically two kinds of pages on our websites, sales pages, mm. hype, and the blog content, which is help. It's the help versus the hype, mm -hmm. Jay Bear's terms. So sales pages should not really send people to blog posts because they're moving away from your monetary commercial call to action. Yeah. Blog posts should always send people to sales pages if you can, like make sure every blog post links to a service page. So yeah, are they, so I'm on a sales page. Is the call to action chat? Is it go to the contact form? Is it call now? Is it schedule a demo? Is it speak to an associate? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> it's all those things. Yeah. Get, yeah. Let, let them do it on their terms, but basically, yes, we're just trying to get them to start a conversation. Yeah, okay. So um, I would imagine, is there some trial and error in this process digital ink is never dry man it, it's <laughs> always trial and error. there's never a, it's never there's no such thing as a finished web page so how do you know when it's working it's your conversion rate analytics shows you yeah analytics will show you which pages are most effective at sending visitors to the contact form which calls to action are the most effective at getting clicks which verbs trigger the psychology of the visitor the best yeah our face is making a difference. Does color draw attention to the to the CTA? No, is that all, all of those, those things? Is that what you guys do? That's what we. That's exactly yeah. what we do. Yeah, that's the Excellent. game we're in. The, the content draws attention to the brand, but when people need a better mousetrap, that's the service we offer. Hmm. I like that. I like that. Okay. So um, I'm following your strategies. I see something that works because of the data. Um, how do I put gas on it? Do, do I, do I take what's working and then do advertising or what, what, what would you recommend for a client? I do not recommend against advertising. Mm -hmm. People think uh, that I'm on some, you know, crusade for content. I love content. It's how we built our business. I don't do advertising myself, yeah. but I can't make that a bias against it. Yeah. I'm not against anything that works. The best digital marketers are aware of their own biases, but open to anything that, that can drive a measurable performance. Hmm. So yeah, the purpose of analytics is to show you what is working and what's not. It's not for reporting. It's not pretty charts. Right. 
charts do not affect your marketing. Pretty graphs yeah. and charts do not affect marketing. Only actions do. Yeah. So the purpose of analytics is to show you what's working and what's not. So you can discontinue everything that's not working, mm. whatever that thing was, right? Quit making videos, quit publishing on that topic, quit, yeah. quit using Instagram or whatever your, whatever your thing was. So you can double down on those things that are working. Yeah. The rate at which you iterate and abandon useless tactics and, and uh, invest more in the effective ones could be advertising. Hmm. That's the rate at which you grow uh, because you are investing more heavily in the effective stuff. Hmm. Very smart. Very smart. So, uh, you know, 07, you start writing content, I would imagine, uh, or you start writing about content. I would imagine you guys were open before then. You've said 19 years. Mm -hmm. What are the next 10 years look like for you? Well, we love the live event approach. Um, yeah. That's been fun. Uh, I really enjoy that. And no, is the live event about content or is the live event about? It's, in, it's the same strategy. It's the same. Yeah. I mean, our, our content strategy is where the audience X gets information Y for benefit Z. It's where digital marketers and directors of marketing get practical, analytic, practical information about analytics, content, and web design. To get better results from their websites. So that's our content strategy. The live events are just an extension of that. Every social post, every email, every live event is all part of that same strategy. Audience X, information Y, benefit Z. Hmm. Um, so we'll continue with that. We'll probably grow our event. Our event is maxed out in size again. So we'll probably make it a little bigger, which yeah. is fun. You should come check yeah, it out. Absolutely. Uh, but the, um, uh, the future for me is going to be more videos. It's going to be to do a, a webinar series. Uh, it's potentially going to be to um, uh, create a little course, which people keep asking me for, maybe like an analytics course. Um, the future of the business is to add that extra service where mm -hmm. we're going to do optimization for clients after their websites launch. Uh, we'll probably limit it at first to people for whom we built their website. Um, but it's growth, man. It's, we're going yeah. to grow. Yeah, it's going to be fun. That's good. Uh Okay, so how do people get in touch with you? Every two weeks, the article's every two weeks. Orbitmedia.com, you can sign up. Yeah. Um, it's not, uh, we're not going to, you know, slam your inbox with too much content. It's yeah. all, it's as much as I have time to publish, really. Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn is probably my best social network. Mm. I'm, I'm not a Facebook user, but yeah. find me on LinkedIn. Ask me anything on LinkedIn. Yeah. And uh, the book is on Amazon, Content Chemistry. It's everything I know about digital between two covers. Content Chemistry, you can get it anywhere you find it, mm, I guess. I love it. All right, Andy, surprise question here. Um, if you could give yourself one piece of advice, your 20 year old self, one piece of advice, what would it be? Well, the best advice for myself as a 20 year old would be to go buy a bunch of domain names because that was the <laughs> moment. What was I doing? I was not paying any attention. You know, we could have started all these companies. Yeah. You know, I'm uh I'm like I said, I'm Gen X. So that was the, so there were days when, uh, yeah, I'd be a gazillionaire had I just like known what was happening on, you know, the early internet. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But, uh, but probably, I don't know, it would have been to, um, uh, just, just, uh, move a little quicker, try a little more, um, experiment, uh, don't be afraid to fail. Mm. Um, it's been a great ride, but uh, I feel like um, I probably could have gotten some places a little quicker had I just uh, jumped in with both feet, knowing that uh, the risk was in hindsight kind of 
lower than it seemed. Yeah, Andy, I could not, there's not a more perfect ending to an episode than what you just said. This is about the Cage Vision podcast. We're Mm -hmm. all about providing encouragement and confidence for those people who've got a vision for where they want to go and they're just stuck on go. So thank you for ending that way. Thanks for being on the show. Go and sign up, orbitmedia.com. Sign up for the blog and learn about content. Andy, thank you for being on the show. It's been awesome. My pleasure. Thanks for the ride. Very good. See you, man.